This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. Howdy, how's everybody doing? Oh, shoot. Wow. That was lackluster. It was a night game. I know. I get it. Uh, multiple night games. Um, but uh, yes, and it was a good win for the Longhorns. Hook them. Way to go. Um, for, for any other Aggies here, there was also a win there, if anybody cares. Um, but it's, it's whatever. Um, so, uh, so, so glad you're here. I, I think I uh, mentioned um, one of the first soft launches. You know, like, we, we hope this is a place where you feel comfortable and relaxed. Like, you know, that it's loose and you can, you know, dialogue back. That's a good thing. It's engaging. And so uh, don't hesitate to, to respond with anything. Uh, that's, that's always good. Uh, in October, we're going to start a series here that walks through the, the book, the whole story of the Bible, Genesis to Revelation. Um, it's one story. So there's 66 books in the Bible, um, but it tells one story. And so starting in October, we're just going to work through that in different parts of the Bible to, to help us get a, a picture uh, of the whole story that God is telling us. Once we know that story and we're able to see that story, whether we're in Exodus or if we are in Isaiah or if we're in the Psalms or if we're in Matthew or Philippians or 1 Timothy, once we see God's story, then we're able to understand um, the Bible more uh, because we see the story that God's telling in each area. And so that's going to start in October. These first few weeks, we just wanted to, to talk on kind of some of our core values. Like what, what are we about as a church? Uh, if you're going to be here, like what can you expect um, as a body? What does it mean for, for you to be a part of this church? Uh, and so last week we talked about uh, just kind of life in Jesus, life through the gospel, that, that Jesus came, that we would have abundant life, that God is for us. Um, even though it may not feel that way sometimes, uh, God is absolutely for us and working for our good. Uh, and today we're going to talk about life on mission. Um, so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 28. If you have your Bible, uh, I invite you to turn to it. Uh, I always encourage having one. Uh, we have some out on a table out there. You're always welcome to grab one. You're welcome to take it home and have it. If you don't have a Bible, take it. If you have a friend who doesn't have a Bible, take it and give it away. Um, there's not enough people. You know, we just want everybody to have a Bible. And so um, there's always going to be Bibles here for you. So Matthew chapter 28 uh, is where we're going to, to be today. Um, I wanted to read it and then uh, the verses, then we're going to pray and ask God to speak to us through his word. Uh, we believe that these are the very words of God and that they are alive and active and that God intends for us to, to know him uh, through these words and to know how to live in response to what he has for us. And so um, let's, let's read it together, Matthew chapter 28. If you don't have a Bible, the verses are going to be on the screen. Um, so Matthew 28, starting in verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age." God, these are your words. We believe they are true. Um, we believe that you have given them to us to know you and to know how to live in response to who you are. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would speak to us. 
God, that we would hear your voice, that, that for anyone here who's never heard you, that today would be a moment, a time where they hear the voice of the living God and they're forever changed. God, for, for all of us, that we would hear you and be, be transformed by your work in us. God, don't leave us the same. Don't leave us the same, but by your word, by your power, speak to us and transform our lives. Block out distractions. Allow us to, to read and to listen and to hear clearly uh, what you have for us. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Uh, in, 2000, in 2010, I went on a short-term mission trip to India. Uh, the church I was a part of, we had two partners there, uh, one in Delhi and then one in the state just east of Delhi, uh, Ghaziabad. And uh, our other pastor and I, we were, we were asked to come and to speak to uh, this group of church planters, um, these village church planters in Ghaziabad. And so um, I, was, I was humbled and honored to get to, to share with these church planters. But what, what was perhaps the best thing for me personally was just sitting and listening to these, these church planters and their stories and what they had given up. The Bible calls us, if we're going to follow Christ, to, to leave everything, to lay everything down and follow Jesus. And it, it just seems that those people live that out a little more than I ever have in my life. Um, they, they literally are leaving everything to, to follow Christ. Uh, one guy that, that I met, and I remember sitting on the back wall with him, uh, his name was Muhammad, and he was born into a Muslim family, uh, but as a teenager, there was a pastor in the area that just invested in his life, walked with him, and just shared Jesus over and over and over again, and eventually um, he, he trusted Christ. Uh, but he kept it a secret for a long time. It was absolutely uh, not accepted in his family, his culture. He knew that he would be um, excommunicated from his family. And so he kept it a secret, um, especially then once he got married. He didn't want his, his wife and his kids to be, uh, to be in harm's way for people knowing that they're Christians. Uh, but, but he couldn't keep quiet. It, it, God just continued to move, and eventually he just started to, to share and to invest and to make disciples, and they started a church. And um, every day, though, they were in northern India on the, on the Pakistan border, and every day they faced the potential of persecution for himself, for his wife, for his kids. It was not uncommon for a pastor's family to be abducted in order to get to the pastor, to shut the pastor down, right? And so um, every day, and he had, at that time, he had two little girls, a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Um, I had two girls at the same time when I was there, uh, and so I couldn't, I couldn't fathom uh, my girls being in harm's way. And so I just, I just asked him, I was like, dude, how do you keep doing this day in and day out? Like, well, you know the risks. How do you keep doing this? Um, and, and with this, just this simple answer, and yet with all the passion in the world, he said, I was living in darkness for so long. I had no clue. And then someone came and told me about the light of Jesus, and my life was never the same. He said, there's too many people living in darkness for me to be quiet. And so I go. And I was just stunned at the simplicity and the passion and the obedience. He, he knew the urgency of what was at stake. And he knew that his Lord had called him to go. And, and I'm, still, I'm still stunned by that. Eight years later. And I just think, man, what if that's how we lived every day? What if every day we lived with this urgency um, that, that is real? We lived with this, this obedience to the command that God has given us. What if, what if that's how we live? What would our world look like? What would, our, what would our apartments look like? What would our classes and our offices, what would that look like if that's how we lived every day? If we just said yes to Jesus day in and day out. I mean, here's what you got to know. If you're going to be a part of this church, and I, and I pray and I hope that you are, we are going to be about leading people to life in Jesus. We are going to be about this call to make disciples of all people. 
There are 6,900 unreached people groups, entire groups, nations uh, of people that have not heard the gospel. Uh, Over 1.5 billion people that have never heard the name of Jesus. In in the United States, last year was the first year, and I don't know, maybe ever, where the number of churches starting finally caught up with the number of churches closing. So up until last year, there were more churches shutting their doors every year than churches starting, which was making the the growing percentage of those who are not a part of a Christian church increasingly at a rapid rate. It's estimated that in Austin alone, eight to nine out of every 10 people don't have a relationship with Christ. 80 to 90% of the people in this city don't don't have, and so so there's so many people There's so many people that need to know about Jesus. And and so for us, that's what we're about, is leading people to life in Jesus. That's what what it's about. And and if you're here and you're not a Christian, you're welcome here. You're 1,000% welcome here. I'm I'm incredibly glad that you are here. Anytime, you are welcome. But I also don't want to hide the fact that our hope is that you would find life in Jesus. We want you to see him and to know him and to believe him and to trust him and follow him. That's our hope. That's our desire for, for all people in Austin and, and the world. So let's see what Jesus, let's see what he said for us here in Matthew chapter 28. Let's see where this comes from. Verse 16, it says that the 11 disciples, they, they went to the mountain that Jesus had directed them. And verse 17, when they saw him, they worshiped him. Now, let me just tell you the proper response to the God of this world is worship. Always worship. That's why we do this. Because God is worthy of worship. And so they see Jesus and and they they worship him. But what, what blows me away is that next phrase. But some doubted. I mean, these people are standing before the risen Jesus, a guy who was dead and is now alive again. And Jesus is there and they worshiped, but some doubted. I don't, I don't know how the church became a place and I'm hoping that it's changing where it's not okay to, to not be okay. Like I, it, it's the church, whoa, man. The church has got to be a, a place where it's okay to not have it all together. It's okay to have, to have questions. Um, I don't know how it became a place where we weren't allowed to say, hey, I've got doubts and I've got concerns and this doesn't make sense and I'm struggling with this. But the church has got to be a place where it's okay to not be okay. Because the Bible, it, it meets people there. It meets people who had doubts and insecurities and uncertainties. And it says, hey, you're not alone. Like you're, you're not alone. If you came in, you're not alone with that. It's okay to, to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay there. We're just not gonna stay there. We're just gonna move forward one step at a time. We're just gonna move forward. But it's okay to come in here and have questions and be like, I don't get this and I'm struggling with that and I maybe don't like that a lot. It's okay to have doubts. And so you've got this group of people here who are standing before Jesus and some doubted. And, and what I love is they still worshiped. Like they still worshiped God. I mean, I struggle personally because a lot of times I feel like if I'm not feeling it, if I'm having a bad day, if I'm struggling with some sin or, or if, if things at home aren't good, like my worship, my worship is affected. Like, it, like my emotions and how I'm feeling changes who God is. 
But here's the deal. We can come in here and, and be struggling and be having a bad day and we can still worship the God of this world because he's still worthy of it. He still deserves our worship, right? And so they, they doubted and yet they still, they still worshiped him. We can worship God no matter our feelings because it doesn't change who God is. And then not only that, I love this, that the, the ones that are standing before Jesus doubting, those are still the ones that Jesus entrusts with the mission. Like if, if, I'm, if I'm looking at people and I'm like, okay, we got to get the job done. And this group over here is like on the fence questioning. My, my, the way I'm going to handle it is probably like, hey, this is great. I'm glad you're here, but I'm going to talk to these people over here. Right? I'm going to talk to the ones who are in and get it. But yet Jesus takes the full group of them, the full ones, even the ones that are doubting. And it's like, hey, you've got a purpose. You've got something to accomplish. Let's go. Let's, there's so much comfort for me in that phrase. But some doubted. I mean, if you rolled in here with hurts and doubts and questions and concerns and uncertainties, there were some folks in Matthew 28 that had those too. And yet Jesus invites them to worship and he entrusts them with a purpose. D don't let questions hold you back from seeking God. Don't let, don't let something not being okay hold you back from worshiping him, right? They worshiped, they worshiped and some doubted. And then Jesus says in verse 18, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority, the full measure of authority, Jesus is like, that's mine. It's mine. He pulls the ultimate rank card, right? Like he outranks everybody. Uh, no doubt you, you've heard from at some point in your life, a mom or dad, you know, answer your, your rebuttal to because, because I said so, right? Because I'm your mom, I'm your dad. Like, hey, can I have ice cream for dinner? No. Why? Because I'm your dad, right? Like that's just how it works in this house. You know, I bought the food. I bought the house you live in. Like I outrank you as my kid, right? Everybody's heard that. We know, we know order of rank. And, and you know, your boss says, hey, do this. Like you're going to do that. Otherwise, you're going to lose your job, right? Like there's an order of rank. And Jesus says, I outrank everybody. Everything, every king and ruler and government and every person and every power, Jesus says, I outrank everything. All authority in, in heaven, the, the, the full cosmos that we can't even see everything, all of that authority is mine and everything on the earth, it's mine. Everything is mine. It's all my authority. And what that means for you and for me is that he calls the shots. Man, if Jesus is who he says he is, then he calls the shots, like, I don't, I don't get to bargain with Jesus and be like, hey, no, 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 I don't really want to do it. I want to do it this way. Jesus just says, hey, it's all my authority, right? Like, it's, it's, all, it's all mine. And so my life is subjected to him. And so if we're going to follow Jesus, we have to be willing to say, okay, it's all yours. And when we have this thing that we hold on tightly to and Jesus says, hey, you got to let that go, following Jesus says, okay. When we're unwilling to let go, then we're trying to take his spot of top authority. Hey, hey, Jesus, no, 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 you don't have control over this. I got this part. I'm in control here. All authority, our whole life, if we're going to follow Jesus, we, we give to him. Well, why? What makes him so special, right? Like, why does he have all authority? 
you know, we could just look back in the Gospels and see that he, he controls the wind and the waves, right? Like there's a storm and the disciples are fixing to sink in a boat and Jesus is like, stop it. And the waves and the wind just stop. Like that's some authority, right? Like there's Lazarus is dead and Jesus says, hey, come on out again, right? And Lazarus walks out of a tomb. Like that's some authority. But, but what is the ultimate authority? And we just sang about it in the song, Living Hope. The ultimate authority is that Jesus was dead, that he told them, he said, hey, I'm God and I've come to fix what you broke and I'm gonna be killed and buried and then I'm gonna walk out of that grave and I'm gonna live forever. And so the fact that Jesus was dead and now he's standing there alive, never to die again, I don't know anybody else that has that on their track record. Like, I don't know anybody else that can point to their resume and say, hey, like I've never, I, I conquered death. Like I just kind of walked out on it. And so that puts him in a class all on his own. Here's the deal. If Jesus never rose from the dead, let's pack it up and get out. Like there's, there's other things we can do with a Sunday morning. But if this is real and Jesus is alive, that changes everything. We have to respond to that reality. We have to do something with that. C.S. Lewis says you can either call him a liar and just say like, no, this is all a hoax and Jesus is lying. Or you can call him a lunatic and he's crazy and he's out of his mind. Or you can call him Lord. That's it. It's one of those three options. And the fact that Jesus rose from the dead and walked out of the grave and 40 days later is standing in front of people, having appeared to over 500 eyewitnesses, that gives him authority over everybody else. It's all his it's all his. And so what follows this? Whatever comes after Jesus saying all authority is mine, it's just not an option. Like if we're going to follow Jesus, we don't get to hear him say, hey, it's all my authority, but I'm going to skip out on this one. It's not an option for us. He's our Lord. All authority is his. The, the great thing about his authority and his words, Psalm 19 says that his commands are perfect. They're pure. They're right. Jesus says that his load is light. He's for us. It's not a heavy burden to follow Jesus in submission. It's not always easy, but he promises that his ways are good. And so all authority is his. All authority is his. We, we've got to get that because if we don't believe that, then we're not going to follow him in obedience. We've got to understand it's all his. It's all his authority. So then what does Jesus say after that? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Jesus says, hey, I'm alive. No one else is going to do what I just did. I'm God. I did what I said I was going to do. I'm here. All authority is mine. Now here's what you do with that. Make disciples. There's only one command in these verses. There's only one imperative. The other words, the, the of all nations, that says to whom? Uh, go, baptize, and teach. Those are participles that tell you how to make disciples. There's only one verb, one command in this verse. Jesus, he's alive. He's the living God. He's about to ascend to heaven. It's the last words he has with his people. He pulls all of his, his, his collective effort and energy and puts it in this one command, make disciples. That's the last thing he leaves with his people. Right? When, you're on, when you know that you're on your way out, you, you pull together the most important things you could possibly say. And what he says is make disciples. Make disciples. He doesn't say make converts. 
He doesn't even say make Baptists or Catholics or good religious people. He doesn't even say make Christians. The Bible has the word Christian three times in the whole Bible. In the New Testament alone, the word disciple, 281 times. Jesus is passionately concerned with us making disciples. He's not concerned with a crowd. He had crowds. And then he said, okay, great. Here's what it means to be my disciple. And they all took off. He's not concerned with crowds. He's concerned with people being disciples. So what is a disciple then? If that's such a big deal, what is a disciple? A disciple of Jesus is this. Someone who trusts and follows Jesus in obedience. A disciple is someone who trusts and follows Jesus in obedience. The most literal definition of the word disciple is follower. It's an active obedience and following to someone that you look up to. You want to follow in their footsteps. You want to be like them. Our, our girls, man, they're, they're disciples of Stephanie. Uh, the other week, they wanted to be the parents. And it took us forever to get to this day. But when this day came, it was fantastic. So we slept in. They made breakfast, eggs, bacon, biscuits. Fantastic, right? Like they cleaned up. They took care of Miles. I really think they just wanted to put us to bed so they could stay up after us. Like all of this was towards that end. They just wanted to put us to bed, right? But then they go to make dinner, fettuccine Alfredo, like they are killing it. You know, so they're in their slicing chicken and Molly's boiling noodles, um, right? No- yeah, she's boiling noodles, like she's going to make some, some pasta and she's getting frustrated because the water's taking forever. And so Stephanie tells her, watched water doesn't boil, right? And, and, and basically like it's not going to boil any faster by just watching it, like go do something else, right? And so then they go on their way. I tell you this because the other day I was making, I was packing lunches and I was heating up some soup. And so I was boiling water and I was frustrated that the water wasn't boiling. I was like, come on. And Molly literally is walking past and she goes, watch water doesn't boil. And she just keeps going, right? And I was like, okay, all right, little Stephanie here, right? But she is a disciple of Stephanie. Like she's following in her footsteps. She says what Stephanie says. She cooks the way Stephanie cooks, right? Like that's what a disciple does. They, they look up to someone, they trust that person and they follow in their ways. The early disciples, um, three of them, uh, Peter, James, John, they were fishermen. And Jesus walks up, we see with James and John, they were on the boat with their dad. Like they were in the family business. Their dad had taught them how to fish, how to cast nets and pull in fish. And then Jesus walks up and he's like, hey, the same way that you followed your dad, I want you to follow me and I'm going to make you fishers of men. And then Matthew says they just left the boat and their dad in the boat. They're like, peace out, I'm out, dad. Like, I just wonder, what does their dad think at this point? Like, time out, whoa, 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 we have a job to do. They just took off. And, and so being a disciple of Jesus is trusting and following his ways. It's believing he's who he says he is. It's trusting who he says he is and then following in his footsteps, actively in his footsteps to be like him. A disciple always begins with trust. John 3.16 is probably one of, if not the most famous verses in all the Bible, right? For God so loved the world that whoever believes in him, whoever trusts in him, whoever has faith in who Jesus is, will not perish but will have eternal life. Like salvation is by faith alone. We can't, we can't wor- work our way to it. We can't earn our way. You're not going to like do enough things like Jesus and then him be like, okay, you made it in. We only have salvation. We only have a relationship with God by the work of Jesus. And so we first trust him. We believe him. And then 
True faith, true belief always moves in obedience. It always moves us to actively follow Jesus. In Luke 9, man, Jesus has a crowd of people, thousands. And, and he's like, okay, if you want to follow me, you want to be my disciples, take up your cross daily and follow me. Lay down your life, lay down your will, lay down your objectives, your agendas, your desires, and pick up mine. Follow my will and my desires and my agendas. It's that authority thing. If we want to be disciples, it's by faith alone, and a true faith will move us to say, in Jesus, you're my authority. Whatever you say goes. And we're not going to be perfect in that. Nobody is. But there's this active pursuit of Jesus. It's trust and following Jesus in obedience. Are you a disciple? Jesus is concerned with disciples. That's, who is, that's who's his. Are you a disciple? Have you actively trusted Jesus alone to forgive your sins by his death on the cross and to, to give you new life because of his resurrection? That's the gospel that Jesus lived the perfect life we were supposed to live. He died on the cross to take our sins away. And when he rose from the dead, he stands able to offer us new life. And when we trust him, it's that exchange. He takes our sin and gives us life. Spiritually makes us a new creation with him. It's not something we do, it's what he does. We just receive the gift that he offers. But we have to trust him. We have to believe that he is who he says he is. Have you trusted Jesus? Are you following him in obedience? A disciple follows. A disciple imitates. Are you a disciple? If you are, the command then that Jesus gives us is make disciples. That's the one command in this verse that Jesus gives us. If you're a disciple, then make disciples. Make disciples. If a disciple is someone who trusts and follows Jesus, then making disciples is leading and walking with those who don't trust and don't follow to the place where they do trust and they do follow. That's what it means to make disciples, is to walk with people who don't trust him to the place where they trust him and where they follow him in obedience. Make disciples. That's the one command Jesus gives us. Man, if we're not doing that, we're missing it. As a church, as Christians, we're we're just missing what Jesus calls us to. Make disciples of all nations. That's what he says. Make disciples of all nations. In Acts chapter 1, it's another account. And Jesus says, you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to make disciples in Jerusalem. That's the city they lived in. In Judea, that was a surrounding country. In Samaria, that's one more outer ring. And then he says, and to the ends of the earth. Like Jesus is telling you and me, make disciples from your neighbor to the nations. And everybody in between. Make disciples from your neighbor to the nations and everybody in between. God's heart is for all people. It is not for one race or one tongue or one tribe or one gender or one socioeconomic status. God's heart is for all people in the entire world. Psalm 67, um, it says, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. I mean, I think everybody's like, yeah, I'll take some of that. Give me two. Like bless us and make your face shine upon us so that your way be known on the earth and your saving power among all nations. Among all nations. God's heart is for all nations. In 2 Peter chapter 3, it says that, that Jesus is slow in returning. 
Jesus is going to come, one, come back one day, and then it's done. That's it. That's it. And it says that he's slow in returning. He's patient because he doesn't want anybody to perish. He doesn't want anybody to miss out on this life with Jesus. But he wants everybody to come to faith in him. That's why he's patient. In Matthew 24, Jesus says that every nation will hear the gospel and then the end will come. He's intentionally patient because he wants all people in all places to know the life that is found in Jesus. And that's incredibly good news. And and it's particularly good news for us because we are the nations. We're not in Jerusalem. We're not in Jerusalem. We're not in Judea. We're not in Samaria. We are the ends of the earth. And if people didn't obey this command, we'd be on the outside looking in. Christianity did not start in America. Jesus was a Middle Eastern man. And people obeyed his commands to go to all nations, and that's how we have the gospel. Jesus always has an open seat at the table for anyone to come and to explore and to trust him. And that's good news because we were on the outside looking in. And if he didn't have an open seat for us, we'd be left out. But God's heart is for all nations, all people, all places. And we are going to give our lives towards that end. I mean, Jesus expects obedience here. He expects if we're a disciple, we're going to obey. We're going to be about making disciples. Not passively, like thinking that other people that we're connected to are going to be about it, but I am going to be about making disciples. Imagine that if my kids come to dinner and we, we sit down for dinner and I'm like, hey, after dinner, I want y'all to go clean your room, right? And we have dinner and they go and they go off and then they come back um, later, a few hours. Um, and I'm like, hey, did you clean your room? How is it? And they're like, well, hold on, hold on. Not exactly, but, but we stopped and we wrote down what you told us to do. You told us clean your room. And we studied it even from different translations maybe. Like we put it in a different language and we looked at it and we were like, oh, that's perfect. And they said, and then we even called our friends and we told our friends, hey, this is what my dad said. He said, clean our room. Y'all wanna get together and have a Bible study about that? And maybe we can like write some songs about it. And then we can just get all of our friends together and we can talk about how my dad said, clean my room. Dad, it's perfect. I love it. It's, I love so much what you said. I wrote it out in calligraphy and I put it on my mirror and I'm just memorizing it and I love everything you said. And then I say, great, but did you clean your room? And they're like, no. Well, then you missed it. Right? That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, make disciples. Don't just know about it or do studies on it or get together with people like this and sing about how we want all people to know. Actively make disciples. Lead people to life in Jesus. That's the command that our our King, our risen Savior, Lord, gives us. Are you making disciples? That's the question I think Jesus wants us to ask here. If you've said yes to him, are you making disciples? Are there people in your life that know Jesus because you invited them into your life and to trust Jesus? That's, that's That's the command that he gives us. That's it. Make disciples of all people in all places. So quickly, I just want to talk on how we do that. How we do that. Go, baptize, teach. 
The first thing Jesus says is, is go therefore and make disciples. That word go, we read it as a verb, go. It's actually a participle. The better way to translate it, I think, is make disciples as you are going. Like just as you're going, as you walk out this door, make disciples. And when you go home tonight, make disciples. And when you get up tomorrow for work or for class, make disciples. And when you go to lunch, make disciples. And when you're playing basketball tomorrow night, make disciples. And then when you're at the game, make disciples. And then like Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, as you're going in every rhythm of life, at every facet of life, just make disciples of everybody that God has placed around you. I, I oftentimes think of this command as like, I need to go on a mission trip or I need to wait for Austin Life to organize an event for me to go do this. And Jesus is like, hey, that's great and all, but no, it's really just at all points at every day, make disciples. It's a life on mission. Like I never put that to the side and be like, I'll pick that up when it's time to do that. No, no, at all times in all places, God has placed us here to make disciples. The first thing we have to do if we're gonna do this is shift our mindset. If you're a Christian, you're a missionary wherever you are every day of the week. God has put people around you, next to you in class, the barista at the, at the coffee shop, your neighbor. He's given you opportunities to go to the nations, to make disciples at all times. As you're going, the first thing we have to do is that we never take that off. We, we never table that and come back to it later just as you're going. I think this also just tells us we, we've got to get going. Like we, we can sit and think back like, oh man, I've, I've, I've done so poorly. Okay, today, let's get going, right? Like we've, at some point, we've just got to get going. We've got to get active in this. So, so how do we make disciples? At all times and all places, all people in all places, right? It's a life on mission. We've got to have that mindset that I'm always just loving and walking with people to see Jesus and to grow in faith. Like it's, we never take that off. The second thing he says is baptizing. Baptism is an outward declaration of an inward transformation. It's what happens after somebody trusts Christ. It's a picture of the old person is, is, is gone when they're dipped beneath the water. The word baptism means to dip just in the Greek. And so as they're dipped beneath the water, it's a picture of the old is gone. And in faith, when they're raised out of the water, they're, they're a new person, right? Jesus has made them new. And so this is something that if Jesus is saying, hey, make disciples by baptizing, he's assuming that we've already told someone how they can have a new life in Jesus. That we've already shared the gospel with them and they've trusted Christ. And so now then we baptize them. If he says baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, he's implying that we've communicated to a person that there's a father who loves us so much that he sent his son to die on the cross and rise from the dead and that the Spirit of God will give us new life if we trust in him. He's implying that that message has already been communicated. Are you sharing that message? When was the last time you communicated the gospel with somebody? We make disciples by sharing a message of good news. If you're a Christian and you've never been baptized, let me encourage you to be baptized. It, it is an outward expression that I am his and it identifies me with the people of God. It, it tells everybody I am a Christian and I'm a part of this church. So let me encourage you, if you've never been baptized, to be baptized. And one other thing I love about this is I, I grew up thinking that baptism only happened with like the, the ordained minister, um, but that's, no, that's not in the Bible. 
The command is, hey, you go make disciples, and then you baptize that person. And so the privilege to baptize someone into, into the church and into their relationship with Christ, I mean, that's for all people. And that is our, when we think of an ideal day, it's that. It's just all people kind of baptizing their friends and family who've come to faith in Christ. Like that, that's going to be the best day on the planet. Last week, we baptized five. And just to see the different people involved, and I was like, yes, that, that is what, that's what Jesus is talking about here. And so we, we go, we baptize, but we share the gospel, and we baptize people who have trusted Christ, and then we teach them to observe and obey all that I've commanded you. Obedience matters. Making disciples isn't just a one-time thing where they trust Christ. It's then walking with people for the long haul to grow in their faith. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ, right? It's this passing on of, hey, walk with me. We're going to grow together in our faith. I love that Jesus, he, he gives this ongoing action. Like he doesn't expect us to have it all figured out. Like no one here has arrived and we're not going to, right? And so it's, it's good news that there's this progressive growth in Christ and we walk with one another. We teach them, we teach one another how to grow in our faith. One of the primary ways that, that we do that is with discipleship groups. A discipleship group is a, a group of two to four people committed to walking with one another um, to, to trust and follow Jesus in obedience. And if you're um, not a part of a discipleship group, I think there's a link that um, if you just want to go, that's going to take you to a form. And if you're interested in a group like that, two to four, same gender, walking with one another to grow in our faith, uh, just fill that out. And we want to help people uh, connect in small groups like that. And so that's just one of, the, one of the ways that we also have community groups, which is a, a larger group of, of mixed gender. Um, but this is, the discipleship group is two to four, same gender, just committed to this, teaching one another to obey all that Christ has commanded us. And so that's how we do it. At all times, in all places, we share the gospel so that people can trust Christ and we baptize them. And then we walk with one another to grow in our faith. Are you making disciples? That's the command Jesus gives us. One of the, the favorite, one of my favorite things uh, that I, I learned in the Bible one day, just didn't even, just stumbled upon it, um, is what happens in Acts. So in Acts 1, Jesus says, uh, go, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, right? That's the commission. And then Acts 8, the persecution has begun in the church. Saul has, has killed Stephen and there's this fear and so people scatter. And what I love about just this thing in Acts 8 that it says, there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, right? That's steps two and three, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. The gospel begins to move outward. They were all scattered except the apostles, like the professionals, the professional pastors, they stayed put in Jerusalem. The gospel moved outward to Judea and Samaria on the shoulders and in the mouths of your everyday follower of Christ. Just your everyday person. They would go and they would take their faith with them. In Acts chapter 11, uh, the church in Antioch was started. It's one of the most famous churches, potentially having planted more churches in the history of all churches. This church in Antioch. You know who started the church in Antioch? This mega impactful church? I don't either. It just says some of them. Some of them as they were going, they, they led people to Jesus and they started a church. 
like unnamed, insignificant people who were just faithful to make disciples, that's who started one of the greatest churches in the history of the world. You know what that tells me? This command, it's not just for the professionals. It's not just for the one, it's, it, it's for all of us. We are here today on the shoulders of some of them, unnamed faithful followers of Jesus. And what kind of legacy would it be if some of us could look back one day and see that many people have found Christ just because we are faithful to this command to make disciples? I think that's what Jesus has in mind here. All people in all places would know the life that is found in Jesus. Man, it's hard. I'll be the first to tell you I chicken out all the time. My heart rate increases, my stomach gets all nervous, and I start thinking through all the possible, possibly bad scenarios that can go wrong, which honestly, like what's the worst? They say no. I mean, it's, but we run with it, right? Like we get in our heads and we run with all these scenarios and, and it's, it's hard, it's tough. Which is why Jesus leaves us with this promise. Go and make disciples, baptize them, teach them to obey, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The risen Savior, the one who has authority over all of the world, the heavens and the earth, he says he's with us in all of it. We're never alone. When we trust Christ, the Spirit of God comes and lives in us. That's how we're able to do this, is that he's with us. But here's the deal. I don't think we're going to really know that until we just take a shot. We're not going to know that Jesus is going to give us the words that we need until we just start speaking words and we give it a shot. And so I think we got to take a shot, make disciples. It's God with us that does all the heavy lifting. He's the one that does the work, but we've got to be obedient as we're going to speak the name of Jesus and to walk with people to grow in our faith. Make disciples. That's what Jesus calls us to. As a church, we're going to be about that. We're inviting you to be about that with us at all times and all places among all people. Invite people into your life. Share with them who Jesus is. Walk with them for the long haul to know and to follow and to grow in faith. That's how the world will be changed by the gospel. That's how we were changed by the gospel, is that people followed Jesus and obeyed the command to make disciples. Let's carry that legacy on. Let's be a part of the work of God to move the gospel to all people in all places. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com. 